Hello and welcome to episode 133 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. This is Ben Olson in Vienna, Virginia today with Nathan Fox. How's it going, Nathan? Uh, really good. What's in Vienna, Virginia? Oh, that's where I live. Oh, so oh that's just home. Today. Yeah, gotcha. That's just home. Yeah. I don't just think I've heard home. you say Vienna before, or I just forgot that it was Vienna. Yeah. Interesting. Well, now I've re- revealed my location. Oh, shit. Anyone who wants to come get us. Well, me. yeah. Also, your license plate is not exactly high security, high uh, stealth mode on your license plate on your car. So go That's to Vienna, true, Virginia yeah. and see a car that says LSAT on it. <laughs> I think if you see a car that says LSAT on it anywhere, it's probably <laughs> me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not me. I don't. I'd be. I'm afraid I have too many enemies out there. Somebody would key my car if I had Fox <laughs> LSAT on anything. Yeah, actually, it's funny. I went to um, uh, Cafe Rio the other day. That's a, do you guys? I don't know if Cafe Rio is on the West Coast. I, or, I don't. I'm not familiar with it. No, it's kind of like Chipotle, but a little different. Um, I like it a little better actually. But I went there and. While I was there, I ran into this guy who I had worked with at the DOJ. So it had been a long time. I, I don't know how many years that is, but um, I saw him. I was like, oh, hey, how's it going? He's like, good. He, he said, I, I, is that your car out in the parking lot that says LSAT on it? I'm like, yeah, that's it. He's like, I saw that when I was coming in. I'm like, who... Who would have <laughs> LSAT on their license plate? And, you know, is that even what I think it means? Because he's an attorney, so he naturally thought it referred to the LSAT, but he's like, maybe it stands for something else. Who knows? So, <laughs> yeah, it stands out a little bit. Yeah, I'll say. Well, so we have updates, as always. The Facebook group continues to grow. Um Annalisa started that. So thanks, Annalisa. Really appreciate that. Uh, we're at 259, I guess. Yep. Right now you just updated that. Yep. And we have eight patrons on Patreon that are donating $74 a month. So yeah, thank you as well for that. It helps a lot, actually. And um, yeah, Movie Pass update. I did go see a movie on Sunday night. There what was, was it? Uh, uh, the Shape of Water. Oh, nice. Do you like it? Yeah, I I love that one guy, the bad guy, um, Michael yeah, Shannon. Yeah, he's a good actor. He is. He's a scary bad guy. He is. He always seems like he's the bad guy too. Yeah. Well, some people are just born born to do it, I suppose. Yeah. I haven't seen anything. I tried to go see Isle of Dogs. I was in San Francisco at the. And I tried to go to the Alamo Draft House in the Mission and see Isle of Dogs, but it was like the second night that it was out and it was sold out, so didn't get to do that. Hmm. Which was a bummer. That's the new Wes Anderson claymation movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It looks fun, but didn't make it. Didn't make it. Of course, it's only been a few days since we talked. We recorded a little wait, a little late in the week last week and now we're back on the regular schedule so it's only been a few days excuses 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 i have all kinds of other excuses dude i've had a whirlwind last few days i i was in san francisco and back you know but okay that's no big deal that happens all the time um i have the best class right now in san francisco i love them so much and it's like you know you know how that is ben you just get one every once in a while that reminds you 
how much you love being a classroom teacher. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got that group right now. They're just so, so good. So, basically what I mean by that is they laugh at my jokes and yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just, God, it's so super fun. But then I've also had, um, overlapping groups of couch surfers at the same time. Um, so I've had like a house full of people and been running around doing all kinds of fun stuff. So life has been extremely full for the last few days. Yeah. So when couch surfers come by, what do they do? They like hang out for the night, talk in the morning, then take off and go sightseeing or something. Um, or what usually happens? Yeah. It, everybody's different. So I, you know, I think more often than not, they stay for a few days. It's all scheduled in advance, you know, but sometimes, um, if plans change or if I like them, you know, then I'll invite them to stay for longer. And it just depends on what they're up to. So I had yeah. two Germans who are meeting up with another friend, uh, this morning and they're going, they're headed South towards San Diego. And then, so they left or they're leaving today. They're still here banging around in the background. Um, mm -hmm. and then I had two Albanians who, one of them lives in San Francisco and one was actually here from Albania. And, um, they went to the airport this morning to fly back to San Francisco. So, but we had yeah, for a while, I had all four of them here and other people going out to dinner and just, yeah, all sorts of cool stuff. We went hiking. We did all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Good times. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, it's also then just very, very busy, you know, like just got stuff trying to show them a good time and go out to dinner and have fun and make sure that everybody's comfortable and then also teach and write and because I've been still writing too. So that's great. Yeah. Have you kept your word goal? <laughs> Uh, on the days that I've written, I have. Yeah. If I, if I sit down to write, I'll get my 2000 words out, but if I don't sit down to write, then I won't. And, um, yeah. I was intending, I had this fantasy of doing it, you know, every single day, but mm -hmm. I just, it's just not feasible when I'm getting up at six to fly to San Francisco to go teach a class. I mean, really, <laughs> I don't know where, where that, uh, couple hours is going to come from on a day like that. So I didn't do yeah. anything Saturday. didn't do anything Sunday. Um, I might've missed Friday as well because I had other shit going on on Friday with the couch surfer. Oh yeah. We went hiking and stuff on Friday, but I did, uh, I got right back on the horse yesterday and, um, I also in my class, I, I was able to work out some of the material, some of, you know, just the, the way I want to, the way I want to sell this, uh, don't pay for law school idea in the book. So I was able to like kind of use the whiteboard and just chat to the class about it. Yeah, it's cool. I'm fired up. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, should we jump in? Do you want to take this first email? Sure. Okay. It says, um, subject religious diff analysis. Okay. Hey guys, love the podcast. It's been super helpful with study slash application strategies. In case you're interested, I got a 170 on the October LSAT, which was a Florida makeup from Hurricane Irma. But I think I can push 173 to 175 consistently. I have an engineering slash failed out of school freshman year GPA, which is a 3.04. 
So I think I need a better LSAT than 170 for the higher top 14s. I'm planning to retake the test in June. Okay. Um, whoa, this is a tangential. Okay, here we go. Let's get into it. Quick question. Have either of you ever discussed the subject of creationists? I'm an old earth creationist, if you care. Answering macroevolution-based LSAT questions. I think diff ana- he must be in differential analysis. Is that what? That's what I'm assuming. Okay. I think differential analysis would be interesting, though it seems like it would be hard for LSAC to pull off. I I have no idea what he means by that. Do you? No. Okay. Maybe it'll become clear. Just for uh, just for some background, I majored in chemical engineering, so I'm very much pro science. And I got a 170 in October, which was just above my PT average. So this isn't sour grapes. I love the LSAT. But on a personal level, I'm not convinced by the evidence for macroevolution. Uh, and then in parentheses, proximity of late heavy bombardment to cyanobacteria's appearance, time for random mutation to produce a functioning protein, and so on. So these LSAT questions require an extra step for me. Have any comments? In other words, he has to accept some assumption about evolution in order to answer these questions. I I don't know. That seems like something that a lot of people have to do. I mean, you have to accept premises on the LSAT that a lot of people disagree with and then just go forward from there. So I'm not too sure how this is much different from any other LSAT question. Totally. You, you got to realize that, you know, 90% of the people taking the LSAT have no fucking idea what you're talking about with cyanobacteria and late heavy bombardment and all this stuff. I mean, they're going to present a premise on the LSAT. That's like all widgets are blue. And you just have to decide, you just have to accept that's a premise. All widgets are blue. I'm not expected to know what a widget is. I don't even know what we're talking about. It's just, that's a premise. All widgets are blue. So I don't know if, if, uh, Ross is saying that, you know, his, (laughs) I mean, he's an old earth creationist though. It's like, okay, that, that's just, I mean, okay. So he has faith, right? And, uh, I believe it was a Mark Twain line. Was it Mark Twain that said that faith is believing things that, you know, ain't so. Um, yeah. (laughs) So I do think that evolution is a fact according to the LSAT. And I think evolution is a fact according to the LSAT because it's the overwhelming best hypothesis in the scientific community. I think it's just, it's a thing it's real. And so the specifics of the whole thing, the way it went down with the late heavy bombardment and cyanobacteria and all this, whatever. And you believe in a, you know, sky fairy who created everything. Uh, uh, apparently you're an old earth creationist. So you believe that it happened a billion years ago or whatever it was, 
But what's the difference? You believe the sky fairy scientists, the scientific community is fairly aligned on. No, it had to have evolved naturally over billions of years. But I don't think it has any bearing on answering these LSAT questions, honestly. Yeah, I mean, what's going on here, I think, is that Ross is saying he has to accept an assumption about evolution that most scientists, almost all scientists and others accept, but that he doesn't accept to move forward on these questions. Um, but I think that's what the L side is asking you to do. It's asking you to make quote reasonable close quote assumptions. They say that at the beginning of the section. And so reasonable is defined by what most people would consider reasonable, not necessarily what you Ross thinks is reasonable. So I'm okay with you questioning evolution with your reasons. I, I think that a lot of times theories that are deeply entrenched end up getting changed. I'm not saying that they would change to an old earth creationist. I think more likely people would modify evolution based on new evidence and say, oh, maybe it happened faster or whatever or differently than we initially thought. But that's always happening. So I don't have a problem with you taking issue with current assumptions about evolution, but they are the current assumptions and considered reasonable by most people and therefore assumptions that you have to accept on the test. I mean, this happens all the time for other people too. There are assumptions that people have to make and they say, well, I don't think that's necessarily true. And we say, yeah, sure, it's not necessarily true. But look, if you were standing in front of a room of educated people and you said, hey, look, I don't think it's necessarily true that Thursday has to follow Wednesday. Most people would roll their eyes and tell you to take up a different issue with that argument. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so you have to just ask yourself, am I being nitpicky to the point where most people are going to say, hey, look, just move on from that issue. And this is one where they're going to say, hey, look, we could be wrong, but the overwhelming evidence and the community seems to think that this is true. So for now, we're going to accept this as a reasonable assumption. Yeah, I think that's right. I also, uh, you know, to again, it has nothing to do with <laughs> the questions are not about evolution versus creationism. That's not what that's not what it's ever about. So if it mentions the late heavy bombardment or if it mentions cyanobacteria, it it has the 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 question is not ever going to turn on creationism versus evolution. That's never been a thing ever. Right? Yeah. I mean, where show me one question where Oh no, see, a creationist would always miss this. That's not a thing. So I don't think there's an extra step here. I will say, I mean, the other thing I want to say is that this almost sounds like um, Ross is maybe experiencing a bit of cognitive dissonance here. Where I, I guess what I'm saying is I think maybe Ross is too smart to believe in creation. I think he has too good of an education to believe in creation, but he does anyway because he wants to because of faith. Mm-hmm. And so, sure, he's got all of these nitpicky things about the cyanobacteria and et cetera, et cetera. 
But when he, when he runs across any of these terms on the LSAT, I don't know. I, I just think he's, he's letting himself get bogged down by this faith based thing that's stuck in his head. Um, one, it shouldn't affect your understanding of the question at all. Um, two, really create what's your, <laughs> okay. Sorry. I don't, I don't want to get into it either. I don't want to get into it either. Um, okay, here I'll continue. He says, I promise I'm not baiting you for an evolution argument. I don't particularly enjoy those. But I'm guessing that at some point you guys have had a student or two who talked about being a creationist. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. I've been wondering for a while if this is anywhere on LSAC's radar. Thanks, guys. Best, Ross. P.S. If you read this on the show, call me Ross because that's my name. And feel free to mock any grammar issues you see. I've been in engineering school the last few years, and it's taken a toll on the writing. I actually didn't see anything in there with the writing. That looked pretty clean to me. Yeah. Not bad for a creationist, anyway. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, that's a, just a joke. Um, you just had to say that. <laughs> of course I did. Yes, I did. Uh, oh, follow-up email. Um, oh, I guess we went back and forth with... Uh, I think this? I wrote back to him because I was confused what he meant by differential analysis. Oh, I see. Okay. So he says, uh, so the logical reasoning questions that involve natural selection or genetics tend to just assume macroevolution is true. Creationists, or at least I, have to take that as a temporary premise before beginning the problem. It's maybe a half second gear shift, but it still is a factor. I would be interested to see if certain religions tend to do worse on the problems involving evolution. Um, I have a hypothesis on that, which is all religions tend to do poorer on the LSAT generally. You think so? Yeah. Why? Because religious people aren't as smart as non-religious people. Mm, that I don't. I mean, I don't know. That seems like it's just a hypothesis. I, I could, yeah. Okay. Well, I would. I would suggest depending on the religious tenets. I mean, you can. The thing about religion, regardless of whether you think it's <laughs> true or not. And um, is that it does provide people with motivation, you know, it gives them purpose and meaning. And so I could see it going the other direction as well. Uh, I think it would depend on the religious group, but some groups might highly value working hard and so forth and end up putting in the time that other people may not be motivated to do. And that could increase their score. So I don't know. I think it Meh. would just depend. I don't buy it. I mean, I'm, I'm purely speculating, but I, you know, the pursuit of reason can give you just as much motivation as faith in some ridiculous text. You know, the, <laughs> I, I feel like, again, I am, you know, purely speculating, but my guess is that atheists and scientific thinkers generally are going to do better on the LSAT because they are used to, you know, being able to accept premises and then think about what those might mean and be more flexible in their thinking. Okay. And getting locked into, you know, fairy tale Bible stories 
and just deciding that, you know, it's, it's conclusory thinking, isn't it? The Bible says that creation. So now I have to just like make up stories to make all that fit. And it's like deciding on your conclusion first, instead of weighing the evidence and then figuring out whether the conclusion really is justified or not. Yeah. I have to agree with you on that. I, um, I guess I feel like I see, I, I think I've said this before, but I consider myself an agnostic and I feel like atheism kind of falls into the same trap by committing itself to this idea that there is nothing else out there. No, it's the best hypothesis at the time. I mean, we're talking about semantics at this point. I used to describe myself as an agnostic as well, but I read, um, you know, some Richard Dawkins and some other, um, some other prominent thinkers and, it's, it's okay. You can, um, I guess agnosticism and atheism do not have to be mutually exclusive. You can be, um, sure. Theoretically, I mean, technically I'm an agnostic because if evidence showed me otherwise, I would change my mind, mm -hmm. but I'm an atheist because I think that's the best reasonable hypothesis right now. Yeah. You know, I, I I'm, I have, I have, uh, I, I have faith that the sun's going to come up tomorrow, you know, and that's, what's that based on? Well, it's based on lots of evidence and it's based on reason and, but it doesn't have to, you know, and if it didn't come up tomorrow, I would change my mind, but <clears throat> I'm reasonably certain that it is going to. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's just how I feel about that's how I feel about atheism that I'm, I'm comfortable saying I believe that there is no God because there is no evidence that there is. And because that's just, I think the best hypothesis that we have. Yeah. Okay. But I don't, that doesn't, I don't think that that's a faith based argument. Well, I've said that a, a million times, you know, if Jesus came down from heaven and appeared in front of me, I would be the first to say, Holy shit. Wow. Look at that. Oh, mm -hmm. sorry for swearing, Jesus. Um, whoops. You know, but does, it's... Uh, does Jesus say not to swear? <laughs> Jesus hates swears. <laughs> Jesus hates swears and gays and abortion, apparently. I don't know. Jesus hates a lot of things. I don't know why. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I just... Hey, if that ever happens, I'll be, uh, I'll be the first to admit that I'm wrong. I'm not going to be like holding on to my belief that, uh, Jesus doesn't exist if Jesus appears in front of me, but, uh, I have a pretty strong hypothesis that that's never going to happen. So I guess my, my feeling is that and I, I, I see what you're saying. Um, I just feel like there's just so much unknown about the, uh, universe that I'm just open to like anything. That's where I'm at. So I feel like saying, oh, in my mind, atheists seem to be saying, oh, I know there is no God or thing or whatever. I don't even know what you want to call it. Or, you know, something intelligent beyond what we're uh, observing. But I'm just like, eh, I don't know. I have no idea. So that's where I stand. I, I'm with you on, I'm, I'm certainly with you on, I don't know. Um, but I think you can still have a hypothesis and okay. I, and I, cause I mean, otherwise we get into this like, Oh, well, anybody's guess is good as anybody others, anybody else's guess. And, and at that point, then it's like, okay to be a young earth creationist or it's okay, which is 
just so absurdly just <laughs> well no no not exactly because when people say that i say like eh, you're now committing to something and i'm not so sure that's true so okay but surely we have to be able to um can't we sort our hypotheses into better hypotheses and worse hypotheses i can't can't we tell people they're wrong if they think the earth is flat yeah yeah i think we can I think we can say, okay. and uh, we can tell people they're wrong if the, they think the Earth is two thousand years old. Yeah, I don't think there's a problem with saying I don't think that's right. That's exactly what I'm saying. To like, I guess what I'm saying is I feel like atheism is still committing to something, and I'm saying, eh, I just don't know. So, I would rather commit to that and say my hypothesis is that I don't know. So I think like you, you still want to commit to something in that regard. And I feel like there's too little to know to commit to anything. Hmm. Okay. But anyways, um, so do certain religions tend to do worse? Nathan, you say, yes. That's my I guess. Say, uh, my hypothesis is all religions tend to do worse. That's my okay. hypothesis. I would say some might do better depending on their work ethic. Um, but it would, I, hi- I highly doubt the LSAC has looked into that. Right? They, do they even ask? They don't even ask for a religion when you register for the test. So I don't know how they would know. I doubt do that they, they do. And um, <clears throat> the majority of test takers are going to self-describe as Christian anyway, right? If they did ask, there's going to be so? some, yeah, some, some faction. But most of would say just nothing. Like, not respond. I don't know. I doubt it, man. I bet 50% of test takers are, are they would check the box for Christian just because they grew up Christian. It's the United States, you know? Christians and Catholics make up, uh, still are over 50%. Um, don't Catholics consider themselves Christian? Yeah, yeah, whatever. It's the same <laughs> difference. I don't give, I don't, I give no shits, but. Part of the whole. Anyways, yeah, okay. Okay. All right. Well, interesting. Yeah, so they don't track that information, so I don't think anyone really knows. Yeah. It's back to my general philosophy. No one knows. No, and Ben's just like, nobody knows shit. So we can't <laughs> we can't even make any Except estimates us. or we can't ever we can't ever go out on the on a limb at all. We just have to always say I don't know to everything. Yeah. yeah I'm willing exactly. to say I'm definitely willing to say I don't know, but I'm also willing to speculate. Yeah. So oh, of course. Um you know, religious people who believe f- these stories on no evidence, I tend to think that they're going to be not as strong in, you know, LSAT logical reasoning, for example. Like they're, they're not flexible thinkers. They, they have, they want to decide on their conclusion first and then make up stories to backfill why that's the case. And I, I don't think they're not, they're just not seeing all sides. So that's my hypothesis anyway. Okay. Um, it's not a terrible, terribly hard adjustment to make continues Ross. I just saw it as a hoop. I had to jump through. I think it's an interesting question though. Um, yeah, it's, it's see again, I'm going back to my, with Ross, I want him to think about whether he's, he's going to write now like a 5 billion word email back to us, by the way. But, um, he, I feel like he's maybe experiencing the cognitive dissonance there where it's like he, he knows that he believes this thing that there's not really any evidence for. And 
he's holding on to it so tightly. And then now it's like the test is, you know, discriminating against him and it's causing him problems. And so I don't know, maybe this is an opportunity for him to let go. Maybe he could become an agnostic. How about that? <laughs> That'd be perfect. So you, Ross, well, you can join Ben as agnostics. Yeah. I can't say it's very fulfilling. There's not a whole lot <laughs> to be gained by this state of mind, but I it's, you know. really, you don't feel good about just uh, being um, reality based, being evidence based. Well, I would say that there is value in believing something for the sake of like sanity. I think that agnosticism leads to nihilism, which of course I am a victim of. And then that mm, sometimes kind of saps energy from other things. Whereas if you have a belief in something, whether it's legit or not, um, it provides meaning. So that can yeah. be worth something. I, I guess I have I have joked frequently that I you know wish I was dumber and believed in something. It, it, like, hey, here's your trade off. You're going to lower your IQ by like forty points, but you're going to have an abiding faith in Jesus. That <laughs> it doesn't have to come back to Jesus. <laughs> Why not? Well, it can. Okay, but Santa. whatever it is you believe in, whatever you believe in, I don't yeah. flying spaghetti monster. Any anything. Just I'm just saying that when you have like uh, faith, I think this is. I don't know. I don't know enough about this stuff actually to be talking about it. But <laughs> this goes back to my problem. I don't know. But I, I'm pretty sure that people uh, have more meaning and thus fulfillment in their life. I think that's. I think that's been studied. I would be curious now. Now I want to read about it. But I think I've read that. So. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a bit of a trade off potentially that we're talking about. Yeah. I like I like your arguments too, Nathan. You're like, if I can be dumber, I don't know if that necessarily has to be true, but I guess, uh, yeah, on some level, you you have to disconnect or at least accept the fact that you're maybe accepting something on faith. Although I think a lot of people, I'm going to try to make the argument here for faith. Um, I think they are basing their. Some people are just following the crowd and the lemmings, so. I, I don't want to make an argument for them, but I definitely think there are some people who struggle with this and the evidence comes from their experiences and their experiences like say, Hey, look, I, my life is better when I have this belief or follow this certain, uh, I don't know, moral system. And so why is that the case? I don't know but there is value in following it and having faith in the system, even if that doesn't necessarily mean that the tenets that underlie the system are true. And so then it's like there is evidence for something there uh, of value. Yeah, I mean, I I think it leads to happy complacency. You know, it's like praying about the school shootings. Yeah, like all I, I, of I our fucking congressmen are doing. Yeah, I agree. You know? There's a lot of. Uh, Let's send uh, out some thoughts and prayers. We'll, we'll we'll just we'll just pray on it. You know. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, boy, it's such a serious thing. It's a, like Marco Rubio taking millions of dollars from the NRA and tweeting about how he's praying. Yeah, pray for the families. It's like yeah. a, it's Fuck like what off. we say. Yeah. No, I agree. There's well, that's like the that's the negative result of faith sometimes i think i think there are people out there though that are straddling this line between reason and their experience and it's legit but ultimately i think you have to take action on something that you believe in not (laughs) tweet about prayers that they aren't even really right actually doing who oh stupid or liar which one is it yeah. Are you stupid or are you a liar? You know, Ted Cruz. Uh, that uh, it's I right. So you're saying you think he's a liar. I agree. Yeah. But the alternative is that he thinks praying over this shit is going to do something. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we should probably get off this before we uh, really alienate everybody. <laughs> Um, or we I don't have any everyone. more listeners. No, yeah, <laughs> listeners, the listeners have plummeted. But the ones that are still with us are really um, our people, or my people, anyway. So, thanks for sticking around, y'all. Um, also, Nate wasn't joking about the similarities to golf. How crisp the swing is after taking some time away. I didn't touch the LSAT after the October exam, and my first few tests back have been really nice. Thanks, guys. Best. Ross. Yeah. Taking some time away from it. Definitely. Especially if you've already been doing a ton of prep. Um, you can, you can certainly take a couple weeks off and come back and just kind of go back to basics and end up feeling uh, really pretty solid on the LSAT. So, uh, fantastic Ross. Thanks for writing in. Hope you don't hate me, um, for, uh, poking fun at religion, but, um, yeah. Taking things on faith is just, it just doesn't, uh, it's not, it's not reason. It's the opposite of reason. Isn't it? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I um, think faith and reason are exactly opposite. Yeah, I do. Okay. I, faith um, is believing things because you just want to believe them. Reason is trying to figure things out. Those are exactly two opposite things. Well, I'll have to just, Leave it at that. I don't know if that's true, but <laughs> we've already gone down into this, <laughs> this rabbit hole. So we'll leave it there. Uh, all right. Let's move along. So this next one says, hi, guys. Longtime listener. First time caller. Bigly fan of the show. Bigly. <laughs> thanks. Many people say I'm the biggest fan ever. Many people say. Wow. Well, Who says that? It's, he's doing Trump material here. Yeah, yeah. I'm just curious. Your friends are observing you and making comments. The reason I'm writing is, oh, semicolon, it's not right. Because, just kidding. Okay. I do hope that that guy learns to use semicolons one day. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's funny. Who's this, Bob? Jimbo. Or something creative or exotic. We'll call you exotic. Anyway, I have a question for Nathan. Exotic writes, you, re- you routinely state that applicants should not pay for law school. Damn right. Yeah. I agree that applicants should do everything in their power 
be it LSAT or boosting your GPA, to put themselves in a position to earn sizable scholarships. But full rides simply aren't realistic for the vast majority of applicants. Bullshit. Um, 100% not true. Okay, false. Although I should say, this paragraph was uh, well formatted and written, so... Nice work on that front, <laughs> even if yeah. your ideas. <laughs> I like those M dashes. Yeah. <clears throat> the yeah. M dash is solid. Exotic is doing a good job on that front. Yeah. I took the LSAT three times, semicolon. I first sat for the test in 2012, again in 2014, and most recently this past December when I earned my highest score of 164. I also have a less than stellar GPA. Look at that, using those hyphens correctly below the 25th at nearly every school to which I applied. Notwithstanding, I have been accepted to a handful of top 30 schools with scholarships at each. So you, can, you can see the problem with the logic just a mile away. You know, the fact that he t- top 30, what the fuck is top 30? What is uh, that? Schools ranked 30 or higher. I guess, yeah. But <laughs> why is that even part of your, why is that a thing that's in your consciousness? So Bob or Jimbo or something creative or exotic here, as he would like to be called, is deciding in advance that he, a full ride isn't realistic because he wants to go to a top 30. Mm-hmm. Arbitrarily mm-hmm. decided that top 30 is a thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying let go of the top 30 thing and go to the best school that will let you go for free. We have to starve this beast you know, the, the reason tuitions are so fucking crazy is because people are stupid enough to pay them. Yeah. And if, and the reason why scholarships are so out of control is because students think top 30 is a thing and they'll overpay for a school that's ranked 29th when they could go to a school that's ranked 40th for free. <laughs> so you just have to stop making that stupid decision. Yeah. So Bob or Jimbo, you know, it's going to be, it's your money. But right now with a 164, you could definitely get a full ride somewhere. I know your grades aren't that great, but 164, you're going to definitely get a full ride somewhere. And no, it's not going to be a top 30 school. So what? Anyway. No, I think that's well said. Good luck, Exotic. We'll keep reading, but I think that's the thing you need to take into your mind is that you have to let go of this ranking top 30 what is that why is top 30 <laughs> oh really you're gonna what about oh i i think you're more of a top 20 kind of a guy don't you and then you'll get even less scholarship yeah uh exotic continues if i were to take your advice and en- enroll only in the best school in which i received a full ride i'd have to go to golden gate I consider my legal education an investment, and for obvious reasons, Golden Gate, a poor one. For obvious reasons. Okay. Such as? You know? And yeah. He's going to come back with their ranking or whatever, or their bar passage rate or whatever. And we've talked about it a million times. You can get into better schools, but you're not going to go to those better schools because they're so fucking expensive. Instead, you're going to take your full ride to Golden Gate and you're going to kill it while you're at Golden Gate and you're not going to have any problem with the bar and you're not going to have any problem finding legal work. It's this thing. I consider my legal education an investment. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, 
the investment has a price sticker on it. And when you're investing $0 at Golden Gate, that's a lot less risky of an investment than in, than, you know, investing $50,000 a year in Hastings. And then this is people make up their mind way in advance, right? This is a faith-based argument for obvious reasons without putting any of the reasons in here, just stating for obvious reasons. That's an LSAT logic. That's an, that's a logical reasoning LSAT logical reasoning problem, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where you just, you're just, all this is, is this is circular reasoning for, there's no evidence here for obvious reasons. Golden Gate's a poor investment. Yeah. Okay. To that, I ask, do you advise strict adherence to your never pay for law school rule? Yes. Do there exist any exceptions? No. A rebuttable presumption. Well, <clears throat> the exception, you know what though, as I get deeper into this writing the book, mm. I don't think you can rebut the presumption. I, I mean, I think that only, so I'm saying don't pay for law school and I really, really mean it. I think you can, um, so like one of the exceptions would be you have unlimited money. Mm -hmm. Okay. That for one, it applies to almost nobody. And two, it's probably not your money to begin with. So you're really not paying for law school in that situation. Right. That's yeah. like, you've got someone some crazy is. trust fund and there's someone else who's paying or the armed forces are paying because you're on mm -hmm. one of these, uh, scholarships for, for vets. Sure. And that's, you're not paying in that case. If grandpa's paying, okay. And if the, if uncle Sam's paying, okay. But yeah, so if by your paying, pain, you mean you are now on the hook for the loan that you're going to take out to go to school. Yeah. Or, or you're paying cash, you know, that you have saved up or something. Like if you're going to sell your house or like mortgage your house, mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. borrow from your 401k or whatever. All yeah. in all of those situations, no way, no way. And I don't like, I don't think you can really rebut the presumption because okay, you can get into a top, top, top school like UCLA or whatever, higher than that even. Like you can get into Berkeley and you're thinking that Berkeley is going to give you this awesome big law career. Well, if you can get into Berkeley, you could probably go to UC Davis for free. And I still think even if you do want to go to big law, you should probably just go to Davis. Mm-hmm. Cause you can go for free and like, you don't think Davis has good opportunities. Of course, Davis has good opportunities. Especially if you can get yourself at the top of the class, which you're more likely to do so by going to a lower ranked school. You're way more likely to be on law review, far more likely to get whatever the best connections they are, you know, that they have at that school. So I'm just not, I'm not hearing people really, I don't know that you can rebut this presumption. I, I got an email yesterday from somebody who just got admitted to Harvard. She had a 180 on the LSAT. Okay. Former student of mine. She, mm -hmm. she got a 180 on the LSAT. She got into Harvard. I immediately was like, why don't you take a scholarship somewhere else? <laughs> why would you do? Why would you, you know? And, and I don't know what her situation is. Maybe she has unlimited money, family money or something, but it's yeah. like, I get it that it's so prestigious and you think that it's this big deal, but if you can get into Harvard, you also can get a full ride to like NYU or Columbia or like some other awesome place. Yeah. So I just don't, it's, I'm having, I'm really struggling to find an example of somebody who should pay. I don't, I just, 
I'm waiting. I'm looking. I, I don't. I don't think I've seen anybody rebut the presumption yet. Or not so, not since I really started thinking about this. What's the evidential standard by clear and convincing evidence? <laughs> sure. Is there a Would higher you, standard than clear and convincing? Yeah, I don't think there is. Huh? Beyond a shadow of a doubt. Beyond no, a that's not a thing. Hmm. Yeah, I. I just. Hey, ultimately, it's my opinion, right? It's not like I, uh, this rule is, uh, it's not like I'm actually going to ever make this decision, but you know, here, Bob or Jimbo has not given any evidence. Mm -hmm. No, he gave us obvious reasons. Obvious reasons. That is not evidence. That's, that's a conclusion. What? Yeah. (laughs) Keep going here with this, uh, yeah. So exotic continues. Clearly, ASU at one half or BU at one third tuition is a better investment than Golden Gate for free. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not. It's a horrible. That's a horrible decision. I mean, that's going to be. Maybe that's what I'll write about today when I crank out my two thousand words after we're done with this podcast today. But no, ASU at half price is not a better investment than Golden Gate for free. Golden Gate for free costs zero dollars. You're investing zero dollars. You're going to learn the exact same things. You're going to study the exact same things. You're going to have probably the exact same test textbooks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> it's funny trotting out. It's look at the, look at the schools that he's chosen here, ASU and BU. Mm-hmm. It's like, those are clearly the best schools that he thinks he can get into. Or, you know, he's, he's, he's just, it, those are in the top 30, presumably. Mm-hmm. ASU, do you ever hear anyone talk about ASU? Ever? No. It's no. like, well, I think that's Arizona State, right? Yeah. That's what it's I like, understand. I live in Los Angeles. I'm not that far away from ASU, really. I, I mean, it's the West, so it's big. But, you know, that school is not on anyone's radar in Los Angeles at all. And why do you think ASU has a better reputation why are you looking at schools in Arizona and Boston and San Francisco? It's what he can get into. That's all it is. You know, ASU is called the Sandra Day O'Connor College of Law. <laughs> there's, there's, there's obvious reason, number one. Sandra Day O'Connor, oh, because she's a notable um, alumni of ASU Law? Yeah. Oh, wait, no, sorry. She went to Stanford Law School. <laughs> That's how you become <laughs> Sandra Day O'Connor. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Noted, uh, well, well-respected Stanford Law School graduate. Yeah. <laughs> um, one half tuition at ASU, we're talking about, what, $25,000 a year? One third tuition at BU, we're talking about $18,000 a year? More, maybe? For for each of those schools? Um, no, I do not think that's a better investment. I think that's a dramatically worse investment. I think it's a terrible investment. I think it would be a terrible, terrible blunder. So wait, where do you stand on this, Nathan? It's a little unclear. <laughs> <laughs> How long... <laughs> That's hilarious. I, I, I mean, because I do, like, I still get the question. I get people like sitting there in class, like scratching their head, <laughs> legitimately asking me the question that you just asked. 
<laughs> but don't you think I'm like, no, whatever you're going to say next. No. Uh-uh. Oh boy. All right. I well, really thanks. appreciate these emails. You know, we, yeah. Thank um, you. I, I really do. I really appreciate it. Bob and Jimbo and also Ross from the previous email. I mean, I'm sorry for just yelling so much, but it's like, uh, yeah, I, um, I don't know. I'm fired up lately. I have shit to say. <laughs> That's good. Maybe you have faith. Maybe you have faith oh, in something. I definitely do. I have faith in the don't pay for law school. I mean, <laughs> I also have 10 years of, you know, experiential evidence built up on this, but um, I can marshal facts if necessary. But you uh, got to You got to use this. Uh, you got to use this phrase for obvious reasons in your book. <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yeah, this could this could go uh straight into let me see this phrase right here. I'm going to just yeah, maybe I'll just go ahead and copy down this whole email here. Use this as a kickoff point for today's rant on the page. So, this is a side note here, but mm-hmm. um one of my favorite things to do in class is we'll read like a LR question or a reading comp passage or something. And there'll be just some sentence in it. That's so absurd. You know, it, it took something that was a rather simple idea and said it in such an absurd way that I then take phrases from that sentence. And I challenge people to use them in their everyday life that week. Okay. And so <laughs> this phrase here for obvious reasons is reminding me of this. Uh, that's actually a phrase you could use. But last night we were reading this fairy tales, uh, reading comp passage. Uh-huh. Um, I've got to read this sentence. I hope I can read a sentence, right? Yeah. 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 That's not fair gonna, use. That's fair use. Okay. So this sentence is ungodly long. Um, so if God does exist, this would be ungodly. <laughs> Jesus doesn't like that either. <laughs> But I took some of these. I, I took some of these sentences or phrases out, and I just would challenge people to use them. So here, are this here's the sentence, and then here are the phrases I would challenge our dear listeners to use this week at some point during their conversations. So the sentence reads: "The need." Oh, this is perfect actually for our podcast today. The need to deny adult evil has been a pervasive feature of our society, leading us to position children not only as the sole agents of evil, but also as the objects of unending moral instruction, comma, hence the idea that a literature targeted for them must stand in the service of pragmatic instrumentality rather than foster an unproductive form of playful pleasure. What the hell, right? Like, (laughs) who wrote that and why? But so I challenged them to use the phrase pragmatic instrumentality and an unproductive form of playful pleasure on their next <laughs> social outing. But anyways, pragmatic instrumentality. That's a tough one. Yeah. The idea that literature targeted for them must stand in the service of pragmatic instrumentality. That makes sense. <laughs> This reminds me of a thing that I used to do with my buddies, um, Dominic and Laura, when we were in business school at Babson college, we would have these writing assignments and to make the writing assignments more pleasurable, we would, uh, <clears throat> each assign 
another one of us five words, just just words that mm-hmm. had to be used in the next uh, essay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so the essay would be about, you know, whatever marketing plan or something like that. And you you would have to use the words, you know, festooned and flatulent and <laughs> just like five, you have to work it in somehow five random words that we would yeah for, force each other and it it made the writing um boy it made it a lot more fun and a lot more vibrant wait did you and, all have to use the same five words no 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 because that would be way too obvious it was just like i would assign five words to laura and she would give five to dom and dom would give five to me yeah and and then we would uh go to town on our essays. We were all strong writers, so it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a big deal. It's surprising how, um, you can find natural, easy ways to get words like that into your writing. Yeah. You know, makes you do, makes you be more creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks. Uh, exotic. Should I, uh, take this next one? Is it my um, turn? Oh no, it's me. Oh, it's you. That's only, okay. We've only made it through two emails. <laughs> As we continue to get more emails, we get slower at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, here we go. This one we're going to do fast. Ready? Sure. <clears throat> Subject. Should I take the February LSAT for fall 18 admissions? Um, no, you shouldn't. Also, that's like past. Wait, what? Yeah, somehow we just got to this email. Okay. Yeah. Cause we're behind. You should never take the February LSAT for that same year admissions. That's just always a bad plan. But, uh, here's a fun update. I got a full ride to Chapman exclamation point. I've also been accepted to Santa Clara with a $27,500 scholarship and Belmont. No news about a scholarship yet. I would have thought 27.5 was impressive in the past, but now I know to treat half scholarships like they're the full price. It's half tuition, so I'd still end up paying 27.5K a year anyways. I have a handful of other law schools that I'm waiting to hear back from, but they're waiting to review my application until my February LSAT score is published. Either way, thanks to Chapman, I'm not paying for law school, and that makes me very happy. I also would never have known that schools give out these kind of scholarships or how slash where to access 509s if it wasn't for your podcast. So thank you very much. No, thank you very much. Thank you for making a smart decision here. And, you know, maybe somebody else will give you an even better offer and you won't end up at Chapman. But I've never heard of Belmont before. Um, <clears throat> but who cares? You're going to not pay for law school. And if you don't pay for law school, you're you're already winning. Yep. Chapman's flying me out to visit for a scholar's weekend in March. They're paying for airfare and my hotel. I'm from Connecticut, so I'm pretty excited. My GPA and LSAT score placed me slightly above their 75th percentile. My application also had sparkling reviews from an employer and two professors, uh, one of whom is a lawyer. I know it's not the best school, but it's the best I can do with my 157 LSAT slash 3.7 GPA without taking out a substantial amount of loans. I wrote my diversity statement about the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting since I was a senior at Newtown High School during the tragedy in 2012 and attended SHS during my elementary years. My personal statement was about my role as a sister to a special needs child and how I've advocated for my younger brother, Daniel. His condition is called pilomicrogria and is very similar 
in appearance to kids with cerebral palsy. I tried to beef up my application as much as possible to make up for my 157. Right now, it seems like Chapman is my plan for fall 2018. But if I get another full academic merit scholarship, I'll be sure to let you guys know. Thanks for all of your guidance with the podcast. It's been an absolute blessing and beyond helpful. Best regards, Sarah. That makes me happy. Yeah, I don't know what to say to that except for follow Sarah's example. Yeah, everybody be like Sarah as much as possible. Just make the decision that you're not going to pay for law school. Apply broadly. You will get offers. And if you apply broadly and you don't get any full ride offers, well, that's telling you something. You you know, <laughs> you're, you're if you if you literally cannot get any full ride offers in in today's market in this climate, if you can't get any full ride offers at all, then you're just not a very good candidate. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like you're going to have a hard time as a lawyer. I'm sorry. It's going to, you're just, you're fighting a brutal uphill battle and you're going to have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So you just, you just shouldn't do that. I mean, look at Sarah. She's got a, you know, that's a pretty pedestrian LSAT score, 157. It's yeah. achievable, is what it is. You know, it's like slightly above the average LSAT score. She has decent grades, 3.7, 3.67, she says. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not terrible. You know, that, I mean, that's actually pretty good. But with those numbers, less than 160 LSAT and a 3.67, and she's already got at least one full ride lined up, and she knows that she can go become a lawyer without paying for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, you know, you got Bob and Jimbo up there saying it's one person, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Um, he's up there saying, you know, well, that would be a, it's bad investment to go to golden gate, but it's not an investment at all. When you're paying $0, Sarah's not going to have to pay money for tuition. I mean, she still has to support herself for three years, put a roof over her head somehow. But at least she's not just dumping money down the drain for some, you know, oh, I should go to a slightly more prestigious school and pay them. She's got it nailed when she says that a half scholarship is full tuition. Right? Yeah. They're giving her, Santa Clara wants to give her 27.5K. And that only leaves 27.5 K a year that you would have to pay. That's an absurdly high amount of money for tuition. Dude, we got to stop saying give too. they're not giving you anything. They're no, just not she's taking them. as much. <laughs> right. She'd be giving them 27.5. Yeah. Oh, we've they given give you this scholarship. Zero. No, you've said you'll take less. You've artificially inflated your tuition by a hundred percent over what it's actually worth. And then you give everybody a 50% give everybody a 50% discount and it's still brutally overpriced. Yeah. Okay. That was fast enough. Congratulations, Sarah. That's awesome. Um, next one. Yeah. Subject turd or diamond in the rough question mark. Well, we'll find out. Hello, Benjamin and Nathaniel. Haha. Just wanted to be very formal and get a funny reaction from you guys. <laughs> I think 
You don't laugh from the first sentence more than from the names. <laughs> Benjamin and Nathaniel. Love the show. Hate Halo Top ice cream. Haven't tried it, but the description y'all gave was enough to turn me away. You know, it turned me away too. I uh, had to drive a couple hours the other day, and I went into Wawa, and I was going to buy um, like a sandwich or something, but I just uh-huh. didn't want any of the sandwiches. So I went over to the ice cream, and um, I was like, you know, I'm old enough now. I can just buy whatever I want. And um, it, you know, it probably happened like last year. I realized that. And uh, so I just bought it some ice cream, but there was Halo Top in the freezer. And I was like, ooh, maybe I should try it. And I'm like, I don't even want to try it. I'm just buying what I want. So I got a pint of Ben and Jerry's. Sweet. And I just ate that for lunch. That's awesome. That's a great move. It was a little harder than I was expecting because the spoon was plastic and the ice cream was frozen. And, you know, I have a manual transmission. So I was shifting and trying to (laughs) not break my spoon and eat the ice cream at the same time but it was it was worth it i got through the whole thing um, ice cream's great on the ice cream is just great period it's great on the road it's really good for keeping you awake you can't fall asleep while you're eating ice cream mm. yeah it was good what flavor did you get uh cherry garcia oh solid hard to go wrong with that yeah so yeah i've been turned away too alexis anyways so i have a question I know you guys always talk down on low quality laws. Talk down on low no, quality law schools, such as Thomas no, Jefferson. No, we don't. Maybe we have in the past. We can't guarantee what we said in the past, dude. Other guys talk down on allegedly low quality law schools, such as Thomas Jefferson, but I don't think we do. I mean, Ben, you've said there are certain law schools that shouldn't exist before, but yeah, I, I think I don't think you mean that as much as they shouldn't be able to charge anybody money. Right. Yeah. Which, if, <laughs> if, if no one free. paid them, then they wouldn't exist. Yeah, no, that's true. Or if they, yeah, if they reprice themselves. And, and I don't necessarily think that means free because that system is unsustainable. Right. But like a real price would be five grand a year or something like that. Like you really want to put a value on their education that they're providing. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. If, I, if it was five or $8,000 a year or something like that. And yeah, that, that would be just much more reasonable. Yeah. Okay, so she says, I know you guys always talk down on low-quality law schools such as Thomas Jefferson, but can schools like this be beneficial to certain candidates? Yeah, if it's free. For example, if you're well over the 75th percentile for both the LSAT and GPA, can you use a school like this to leverage your success? Will this be a good chance to get a full ride, stipend, and potentially a great spot at the top of the law school? Yes, yes, yes. Is this a good idea? Or since low-quality schools have such a bad rep, would it matter either way? I think we've answered this 10 times in this episode alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it, it's like the primary, my primary piece of advice is just don't pay for law school. Go to the best school you can go to for free. So if that's Thomas Jefferson, then that's Thomas Jefferson. Are you going to be a lawyer or are you not going to be a lawyer? Thomas Jefferson will make you into a lawyer. As long as you don't pay for it, it's fine. And yes, you will have a better chance of competing academically while you're there. And you could, who knows, get a stipend, whatever. It's awesome. Alexis 
concludes. Please don't use my last name if you use this on the show. Don't worry, I don't think we ever use anyone's last name. Nah. But thanks for, yeah, anyway. Thanks for all y'all help. I'm not from the South, but I don't think you're supposed to put all there since there's only two of us. But <laughs> Oh, and I joined the Facebook group, and I'm super stoked about it. Smiley face. Dude, we're stoked that you joined. We're super, yeah. super stoked. You're super stoked. We're super, super stoked. Yep. Yep. Thanks, Alexis. That's that's awesome. Uh, it's it's uh, facebook.com slash thinking LSAT if you want to uh, join our group. Oh, we have that we... URL already? Oh, don't we? Don't How about this? Go to Facebook and search for thinking LSAT podcast group and you'll find it because it's big enough now that you know, it's pretty searchable, I think. Yeah, I'm going to test it out. Is, this page isn't available. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry. I gave a lie. I lied. But one of these days, hopefully, we'll be able to get that. All custom. atheists lie. People in the group ought to be able to find that, ought to be able to make that happen. Yeah. Help us out. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Um, Next one? Yep. Hi, guys. So I got curious and started looking up online to see if any scholarships are offered by schools after 1L year based on 1L grades, which it seems does sometimes happen to prevent top students from transferring to higher ranked schools. Uh, yes, it does. Anyway, in my search around the internet concerning this, I came across this program that claims to prep you well for 1L year to be in the top percentiles of your class. I wanted to know what you both think about it and programs like this in general for people going to law school. Would it be worth taking? Is it a good investment for 1L year to get good grades and therefore better opportunities and job offers too? Or is it just a ploy to make some money off of material that you will learn in law school anyway? And this is the link that she gave was to um, Barbary's law preview program. I'm interested to hear both of your opinions on programs like this. Feel free to use my name and thanks so much for the podcast, Riley. All right, Ben, what do you think about uh, law preview programs? Well, I actually have two things that may seem contradictory, but I am generally skeptical of these programs because I don't have a lot of faith in like Barbary and stuff like that. That said, I think doing anything you can to know what you're getting into can be both good for deciding whether or not you want to go to law school. And if you've decided to go... Uh, doing well, because I do think that doing well your first year is uh, significant for not only maybe these scholarships, but more importantly, I was thinking for job offers, because job offers depend uh, in a large to a large extent on how well you do that first semester. Uh, if you do well, then you're more likely to get a job, a better job your first summer, which can often lead to another job th- your next summer. So I think at least for me, I went into law school kind of not knowing what to expect or how people study for class. And um, I think just getting familiar with the lay of the land can be a very helpful thing so that you start off running. Um, But I don't know that I would do it through this class. At the very least, I would talk to people. I would talk to, who is that person we interviewed once who gave people advice for how to do well in law school? It's like the law school toolbox or something. Um, yeah, yeah. Allison and Lee on our law school toolbox. Yeah. Has some pretty good advice. I mean, yeah, you, I think what you're saying, Ben, is just whatever you do, you really want to do well your one L year. Yeah. 
I don't know about spending money though. I think there's other, Oh, that's right. It was, I think Allison had made that, that preview. Um, it was a, I think it was like a few hundred dollars and it was a getting started loss, like start law school. Right. I thought what that program was. Called. Oh, I don't, I didn't even know that. I don't remember her even having a program. I'm just saying like, go read. And she has a website and a blog, right? At the very least. Yeah. Just and there's lots of resources out it. there. Yeah, I would I would definitely see what you could get done with free resources first. And I'm sure that there are some good low priced things out there. And if you really wanted to do it, it's probably not a terrible investment. I don't know that paying five grand or whatever to Barbary is just or even sometimes the schools themselves. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, well, you're enough of a sucker that you've already signed your name. You're going to come here and pay us fifty thousand dollars for your first year. Um here, here's a program where you can come pay an additional $6,000 for an extra, you know, four week program in the summer yeah. before the, before one L year starts. Yeah. I think those are just unbelievable ripoff. I mean, yeah. Oh, you say, can get a book on Amazon for 25 bucks. It's going right. to walk you through one L year and give you more information than, uh, these lectures for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do. It's worth pointing out though, like you say, Ben, um, you know, they say you can't, uh, win a race on the first lap, but you can lose a race on the first lap. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. like if you crash or whatever, sure. you can't really win the law school game and legal career ever, but you can definitely lose it right off the bat. I mean, if you get bad grades, your first semester, Oh yeah. You're recovering the whole, yeah. Just, just drop out. That's why you go for I mean, free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You go for free so that if you don't excel, you can just say, hey, listen, I mean, I'm here on a scholarship. I should be better equipped to compete than these other people. And I still got poor grades and I'm going to lose my scholarship. See ya. I'm out. Because, um, yeah, it, people don't realize that your first semester grades are all they have to go on when they hire you for your first summer job. Yeah. So if you get bad grades your first semester, you're going to have a hard time a lot of frequently, you'll have a hard time finding employment your first summer Mm -hmm. and first summer jobs frequently turn into second summer jobs. Yeah. So it's like you already lost because of your three classes that you had your first semester. (laughs) And it was like two of those exams just didn't go as well as you would hope. And now you're in the bottom half of your class. You passed everything, you know, you just got like a B instead of a B plus or an A minus and you did all the work. You busted your ass, but now you got a B and now you don't, you're just, you're just struggling right off the bat. So yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta be getting A's and A minuses, uh, immediately in your first semester. Yeah. So yeah, by all means prep for law school, but you could read a bunch of books and, probably don't need to pay a shit ton of money. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Riley. Yep. Thanks, Riley. All right. So I'm going to jump into Winston's email here. Okay. This just seems to start out of nowhere. I just looked at my LSAC GPA, currently 3.56, and their version would be 3.85 if three zeros were removed. Okay, this sounds like not a great start. One was from 2006, and the other two were earned in 2008. I did not earn my first college credit until October of 2013. 
This is one of my one of many examples of my former self screwing over my current self. Haha, <laughs> I know. No sympathy. Not like I'm breaking rocks. Okay. Do you have any idea if a school might consider that higher GPA? I know they create an index score, LSAT plus GPA, and have a cutoff based on that score. My question is, if, they, if they're already looking at me and I write an addendum, do you think they would consider what my GPA would be without the three zeros? Could you imagine a scenario where a school might possibly give me a scholarship or more money with the theoretical GPA? Look, you should write your addendum and put that number in front of them so they, three, so they don't have to do the math. They see the 3.85, and if people like you enough because of your personal statement and other factors, they may convince themselves to look at that GPA rather than their 3.56 or your 3.56. But um, that's the only thing you can do is you can just give them that number, do the work for them, and hope they take the bait. But whether they do or not is really going to depend on the individual reviewing your application. They will not use it for the index score calculation the whole point of that yeah. is to standardize. It's not going to help you on the first cut because on the first cut, they're using their index spreadsheet. And so by definition, no, they're not putting 3.85 into their index calculation. They're putting 3.56 into their index calculation. But one, that's not an like horrendously low GPA. No, I don't think that's going to cut you out of most schools. The cutoff is very low for most schools. <laughs> and And two... It's a balance of your LSAT and GPA anyway. So if you just get a really great LSAT score, I mean, hey, if you're going to make the case that you're a 3.85 student, well, then get an LSAT score that demonstrates that. Yeah. And if you show up with a really great LSAT score, then, you know, you'll make the cut on the index calculation and then they get into your other documents and then they might see this addendum that says, hey, listen, I took this class in 2006 and two classes in 2008 and I didn't even do them at all. I was not actually doing college until October of 2013. Mm -hmm. If you notice, when I actually started earning credits in 2013, my GPA of all the classes that I took from that point forward were 3.85. And that's, by the way, every college credit I ever earned. These, I, I took these two classes before I was ready for school or, you know, whatever your case is going to be. Um, and I have these three zeros, which are dragging down my... GPA and I'm a diamond in, in the rough because of that. Yeah. You, you can make that case in an addendum, but, and yes, I do still think that if your LSAT score is right, you absolutely can get a scholarship in this situation, but you have to be realistic too. You know, when, when you're, when they report you on their 509 and when they report you to us news, you're a 3.56. That's, that's, that's a fact. That is what you are to the American Bar Association. And that's what you are to U.S. News. Well, that's just what it is. That's, you know, I was, I'm reality based. I know. I'm just saying it's funny to think of the American Bar Association and how they think of you. But yeah, <laughs> it is funny to think of the American Bar Association. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, write the addendum, but I mean, really apply broadly. You want to cast a wide net, definitely put that addendum in there, see what kind of offers you get and definitely, and then negotiate, you know, like make sure that you point out the fact that you're a better student than the GPA shows. And the LSAT is the best way to sell that story. 
Yep. Hey, look at my 170. Of course, I'm not a 3.56. I got a 170 on the LSAT. And if you get into the top 30, go. Doesn't matter what you have to pay. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta be careful saying shit like that, dude. People want to believe that. People are looking for reasons to just dig themselves a gigantic financial hole. People like, they're, they're, they're just... I don't know why. Boy, they, it's a, you know, I wrote a, a long, yesterday, the, the writing that I did, and I just posted it to my blog today, so you can check it out if you want, but it's about how law school is an ego purchase. Okay, sure. Just like everything in the world, maybe? Yeah. Almost well, everything. Or, you know, sales folks, people who are good at selling, um, use your ego to uh, get you to buy things. Sure. And so I, I want, I, in the blog post, and I'll just tell you the two stories quickly. These are embarrassing moments from the life of Nathan Fox. So um, if you hate me because I'm an atheist, you can now um, make fun of, I'll make fun of myself for you. I don't think they hate is, you because you're an atheist, Nathan. I think they don't. <laughs> I think there might be some other reason. <laughs> One of the reasons why you hate me is because I'm an atheist. Yeah. Um, then, well, here, anyway, here, here's the two, uh, here's the two embarrassing stories. Okay. And I'm, I might've told these before, so I'll try to be brief, but the first was, um, I was in the admissions office at UC Hastings and I was talking to the admissions guy about my offers because I had a full ride to like golden gate or something. And I had, uh, all, they, Hastings gave me basically nothing. Yeah. And I, I I can't believe how stupid I was in retrospect. This is the dumbest thing I ever did. And I just, so I asked the guy from Hastings what he thought about my situation. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I I, I like, you know. It's actually not a bad question. You can see, it's like. It, you you just ha- you just can't take it seriously, but y- you know that's a question where that person could royally screw up, right? Like if you can't get that question right, then it's like there's no way in hell that I'm going here. So I, I look yeah. at it as a question that they they have to that they can lose on or fail. Yeah, except that I was genuinely listening to his advice, mm-hmm. and he that's why it was just such a stupid question to ask. You know, I'm yeah. a I'm a, a just plump young lamb and I'm asking the wolf for directions. (laughs) How do I get through this dark forest? Mr. Wolf, can you tell me the safest way to go? Yeah. And so anyway, the guy looked at me and he goes, yeah. Oh, well, you know, um, Hastings is, is a, is a law school is a transformative experience. And, um, the opportunities that you're going to be afforded at us at, at Hastings are, are quite significant. And, um, you know, the consider on campus interviewing, for example, uh, there are law firms that just, that just don't, uh, they just don't interview on campus at, uh, those other schools that you're thinking about. And this is the beginning of your legal career. And surely you're not going to let financial considerations play a role here in this, in this decision. Are you surely Uh, can you imagine that? Like, surely you're not, you can't, you're not going to let some, something as trivial as money 
get in in the way of making a making the right decision here are you in in making a decision about your career which the point of which is to (laughs) make money (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean and and you could just see in in the blog post i've he's like you could see i can see him in my memory i can see him salivating as he was <laughs> responding to my question you know and i can see like the blood dripping off of his fangs as he's as he's giving me this just but you know super friendly super sweet like they're your best buddy these people in the admissions offices they're so nice i hear that from my students all the time oh i met so and so from such and such school and oh they were just so nice yeah yeah, that's their fucking job. They're trying to sell you a $150,000 degree product. Anyway, that was the first embarrassing moment was me asking the guy at Hastings for his advice about whether I should take a scholarship to Golden Gate. And uh, the second embarrassing moment, and and again, also look at how he's using my ego there, right? That's the message there. He's, he's, he's using my ego against me. Yeah. Talking about the glory of this transformative experience in law school and oh it's you know surely you're not going to be letting these trivial money considerations affect your decision here yeah (laughs) fuck yeah i am anyway um the 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 second uh one was i was teaching my lsat class as i was making this decision i was a still a part-time lsat teacher at the time sure while i was deciding where to go to law school and i remember chatting class hadn't started yet and i was chatting to my students about where about my decision and a girl in the front row goes and i'll never forget it and it god it makes me sick when i think about this but she just goes she goes yeah you know nathan i i just really i just really see you as more of a, I just really see you as more of a Hastings type of person. (laughs) And I, and I, I said, I'm like chatting to her and I, I'm like thinking, and it's a hundred percent ego. It is 100% fucking ego. And I, cause I look back at her, you know, I just remember thinking like, you know, you're right. (laughs) You're right. You're right. I am. I am more of a Hastings type of person. Yeah. And, uh, that's how I spent $150,000 on a useless JD. You know, it, the, the, the absurdity of that decision there, it's like, think about what I was doing. You know, I was, I was judging USF and golden gate. And by the way, I knew nothing about the schools. I really knew nothing. I didn't know any lawyers. I didn't even know what kind of lawyer I wanted to be. I had no idea what I was doing. I was such a naive idiot. But there I am just buying into this whole hierarchical judgmental kind of thing. I just I I just bought the whole thing. I got sucked right into it. Like I wanted I wanted to discriminate against USF. I wanted to discriminate against Golden Gate. I wanted to be on the haste R type of people, you yeah. know over here at Hastings. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm more of that type of a person. What the fuck does that mean? That doesn't mean any, <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Furthermore, right across the Bay, there's a much, much better law school at Berkeley. And all of those people, if they wanted to could easily shit on Hastings and just be like, Oh, well 
you could be a Hastings type of person if you want, but uh, over here we're more Berkeley type of people. Yeah. And then there's Stanford people who could, if they wanted to look down on Berkeley. And then there's Yale who can look down on everyone in the world if they want. So how much of that are you really going to literally buy into with your $150,000? Where do you draw the line? You can't, if you're going to think that way, well then the only law school you can possibly go to is Yale. Right. Cause it doesn't, that, that kind of shit doesn't stop. Yeah. Just keeps, there's always someone better. Furthermore, and I'll stop, I'll, I'll shut up, but I, whose advice was I taking there? This was one of my LSAT students. She's not a judge or a law firm partner or somebody who has any clue what she's talking about. She hasn't, she's not even a law student. She hasn't even sat for the LSAT yet. And she's sitting there telling me that I'm more of a Hastings type of a person. (laughs) She had literally, she had never sat one day in law school. But I'm willing, I was just willing to believe, you know? Yeah. I just, I I wanted to, I wanted to spend $150,000. You wanted to believe, so you did. Oh, fuck. Well, what I think you failed to do is you failed to take into account the practical instrumentality (laughs) of (laughs) a lower ranked school. Yes, uh, I should have been far more of a practical instrumentalist. (laughs) I should have have made a much more pragmatic decision. And um, pragmatism, in this case, starts with just not spending that money. It's just so dumb to just, you should just be tight. Just don't do it. Yeah. (laughs) Just don't do it. Yeah. All right. That email, by the way, is from Winston Smith, which we never read um, last names, except for that's a fictional name. Great. Thanks, Winston Smith. You got, do you get the, the reference literary reference? No, I don't actually. I only 1984, the main character in George Orwell's 1984 is called Winston Smith. Really? Yes. That's an excellent book, by the way. If you like dystopian, I did read it at one time. It was drama required reading in high school. It's fantastic. I want to reread it one of these days. Yeah. Hmm. Dude, I think, yeah, I think we're done. Oh, are we done? Done? Yeah, call it. All right, dude. That was show one thirty three. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay. Hey.